Hi, and welcome to the Future of Development podcast. My name's Anthony Montategi, and I'm here to inspire people to find amazing careers in the construction development world. like our podcast, please make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really like our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome David to the show. I'm excited about having him on. You know, David, uh, every point is a topic and a company that uh, what in our pre-show got me really going. So uh, welcome, bud. Welcome. Thank you very much. Excited to be here. You know, uh, as we look at digitizing the construction world, you know, you're, you know, since uh, this 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 whole revolution and and finding the ability to to uh, mark take the you know physical world and digitize it, you know, and be able to have both of them relate really really well, you know, this 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 effort is dramatically changing the construction world. Mm-hmm. How did you uh, how did you get involved and give me a little mm-hmm. of your background. Sure. So I'm a computer scientist by training. I had my master's in computer science many moons ago at Purdue University. Um, But I've been out, I started in the traditional corporate world and I started with Hewlett Packard back in the day, had enough of corporate world and said, you know, I'm going to go make money for myself. So I've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years now. And um, we've been doing large scale image processing and computer vision as a group here for gosh, well over 20 years between the founders. And uh, well, like all good things, it started with a conversation in a bar about 11 years ago, as we were sitting there looking out the window, thinking about what we've been doing with computer vision and 3D reconstruction. And it just sort of clicked. Everything outside your window is going digital, right? And just like we took every document digital, you know, back in the early days, and then we took audio and we took video right now, uh, all these trees behind me, all the blowing you know, leaves, we got all the buses going by, the cars and trucks, everything's going to be indexed every second of every day. And so the spark started 11 years ago. And, you know, we have been on a mission to digitize every point on the planet every second of every day. Now, it's still maybe 10 years before we get there. uh, And it's a journey. And luckily, we've made enough mistakes as entrepreneurs to know what's the right way to stage a business to hit that market timing, because, you know, even today, I think we're still too early. Uh, I still think, you know, the whole bet on the metaverse, man, that's a big bet. Uh, luckily, Facebook, you know, has deep pockets, but, you know, we're still a long way away from, you know, these concepts really impacting everything we do as people and everything we do as businesses. So that's a little insight into my brain and how we got here. Well, David, you, you guys hold the corner on this technology. And, you know, what, what I find fun about it is that, um, you know, it seems like we're we're a far away from it, but I, I really do believe that there's just a couple of a couple of stones that will turn over, and there'll be some ginormous jumps in it. You know, uh, uh, certainly nobody could have predicted COVID, and having digital presence really be needed, right? And no, no one even imagined that. And COVID really helped propel, it did, didn't it? Right, the, the 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 whole digital world, and you know, and what's funny is I think people realize that there were some real limitations to a 2D image that we look at, like staring at our screens was great, but there still was a lack of, um, still lack of, of, of relatedness because there's still something missing there, right? And as we start to integrate this where I can actually be in an environment with you, I've seen some real compelling, compelling uh, looks at, 
you know, the, the metaverse, uh, digital work that folks are working on right now that are really, I mean, taking leaps Absolutely. from, from where, from where the, the 2d kind of communication is uh, via screen or, you know, a, a t- office screen or computer screen or phone screen, you know, really mm-hmm. see us in, integrate into that, into those visions. Oh, no, that's absolutely right. I mean, technology is one important trajectory uh, to watch, and there's been a lot of excitement there. I mean, what we've been working on, you know, which, which is basically extracting 3D information for imagery, I mean, that, that's been going on for a long time, right, since people were trying to figure out uh, back in World War II, right, how, how to do the old stereo photogrammetry when you're looking through, you know, looking at stereo image pairs and trying to figure out, you know, how to target things. Uh, it's just, you know, every 10 years, every decade, there's more and more technology put into that. And about 15, 20 years ago in academia is when there was the real breakthroughs to really automatically extract 3D information from imagery. But honestly, it took a decade for the hardware to catch up, right, to where it became uh, cost effective to run these algorithms that are insanely intensive, right, to where now you can do it on your phone, right? I mean, Heck, 10 years ago, it was really expensive just to do that on some really beefy desktop PCs, and now we're doing it in our pocket. So you've got the algorithms, you've got the, you know, the cost and the business models of the compute infrastructure to run it, and now you've got Apple putting a LiDAR sensor on a phone that's giving you some information and data to work with. And then we have this crazy technology called NERF, I don't know if you've dug into that yet, where you're using you know, machine learning techniques to extract points of view. And I mean, it's just magic. It shouldn't even work, right? It's creating these beautiful immersive scenes. I mean, not geometrically accurate yet, but they're gonna be there. So you've got this whole technology trajectory that's just, just chugging along. But then like you said, you know, there's certain events in business where the economics just become undeniable that you have to make a move but then there's also things like covid i mean here in i'm in seattle i mean there was a big effort to say hey we don't want those people in the ready mix trucks and then the dump trucks to have to hand a ticket to someone on the site right i mean that drove an incredible effort of digitization just here in the state of washington getting these companies to finally move right and going with you know paperless tickets right so you've got technology you got social you've got world events, all these things have to come together uh, to really transform a society. And, and they're happening, but it's gonna take a few more cycles before we're truly you know, digitizing everything outside that bar window. But gosh, you know, it's closer every day. You know, it's fun from where I sit and all the people I get to interview every week, you know, it, it's, it's like if I could take all of their technologies and put them onto one platform, th- there's where it's at. But it feels like right now what we're still at are these little silos and, and they're great, right? Because each team is working on a on an aspect of it or, or, or part, right. part of it, right? And as they bring these technologies together, as they start to get smarter and smarter, as they start to uh, combine with other groups, right? And take, uh, you know, uh, different technologies and, and learn from each other and then be able to communicate with each other. You know, there you there's where you can start to see that multiplier. But like right now, the little groups that we work with and I mean, across the world, I've interviewed people in, in you know, in, 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 in you know, numbers of countries, mm-hmm. and all of them have uh, some great stuff. They're, they're, all, they're all, yeah, they're all on different, uh, they're all on different platforms. Right, right. Well, you know, that's uh, that that that's just part of the process. If you look back at any major, you know, technological revolution, that's just part of the process, right? There is a good ten to twenty years 
where there's lots of point solutions and point innovation that happen, right? Before something happens and converges and bring it all together. And if you just think back, you know, to the internet days, I mean, that was a big one. You think of wireless networking, you think of cell phones. I mean, boy, I can remember sitting in conference rooms and meetings when I was at HP and, and, and people were saying, who the hell would ever want a camera in a cell phone? That's the dumbest thing I ever heard, right? And there'd be arguments about would there be a camera in a cell phone, right? I mean, just ridiculous. And then if you said, oh, and what if Apple makes a cell phone? You would have been laughed out of the room, right? But look at the world we live in today where Apple's pretty much owning and driving it. So when it comes to digitizing the world, I look to big tech, right? And I'm excited about what Facebook is doing in how it's gonna move the industry right now. Are they gonna win? Who knows? But it's when those big companies go and they do things at massive scale for consumers, that drives unification and standardization. And then that unification and standardization then turns over and drives through the enterprise, right? Think of maps, right? Google drove maps, Apple had maps, Microsoft had maps, right? But how many construction companies and how many businesses today get their own maps? Right, whether it's from a drone flight, you know, an aerial mapping company, or now satellite companies, right? But that appetite for that change was driven by consumer mapping. And the same thing is happening right now. And that's what the metaverse is going to do for construction. It's going to drive it home to the kids in the family room playing video games or running around the yard chasing dinosaurs. And 10 years later, people are going to be chasing around, you know, the, the equipment managers will be chasing around their equipment, right? Uh, using the same technologies that the kids were chasing around dinosaurs. So it, it, all these point solutions you're seeing today, they will come together, but it's probably another 10 years. And I do believe it will be driven by, you know, the traditional big players of Google and Microsoft and Facebook and these players, because they'll do it at scale for consumers. Well, they're the only ones that have the momentum or the horsepower to get over the big humps, right? Because it takes a lot of horsepower to bring all of it together. A lot of power. Right. I mean, it kind of feels like some of the kids, so, you know, if, if we look back, uh, all the you know, video game players, they were in training. Right. This is almost like training for the setup for where we're going. And and, you know, all the all the parents are complaining about their kids, the kids, uh, uh, you know, playing video games all day. Like now they're kicking themselves in the shins going, man, like now my kids are making a couple hundred grand a year working on, uh, you know, digitizing the, the, the metaverse and, and putting these uh, I mean, and more than that. I mean, I, I just saw a kid get out of college. He's making 300 grand a year. Uh, in, in chip development, right? I mean, oh yeah, well, it, easy, yeah. easy. And, and again, that's part of the whole societal change is we have been training the world for going digital and working in 3D. Uh, we've been getting kids from four, five, six years old in Minecraft, right? I mean, th these kids that have grown up in Minecraft and thinking spatially and solving problems spatially, you don't want to be thrown down in front of a piece of equipment <laughs> with no with no assistance to help you get better spatial orientation and context to make your decisions. When you've grown up playing Minecraft and being able to look at things from multiple angles and multiple perspectives and bring your friend into the same space to look at this environment. I mean, just been doing that since you were six years old. Why wouldn't you do it on the job site when you're, you know, when you're 26? So it's all, yeah, it's all part of the momentum. It's exciting. It's, it really is. You know, um, I just bought an Oculus. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I've been playing around with it. I, I, I played with some other friends and I said, well, if we're really going to do this, right. If we're really going to get into this and, and uh, part of the podcast work that, you know, to, to continue to grow and learn new stuff, I said, I'm like, I have to get into the, I have to get in the Oculus. I, I have to go and try it out. And I, I bought one and I got to tell you, it has, it continues to unwind and unravel. You know, I love to travel and all of a sudden now I can travel 
Well, I love to discover, right? I love new discoveries. And in that Oculus, every time I put it on, there's something I never imagined I would see I'm seeing, right? I'm going places I didn't imagine I could, I could go. I mean, I guess I could imagine I could go there, but now I'm going there, right? I'm like, oh, look at this. I can, I can go to Mount Everest. I can, I can go to Rome. I can go over uh, to the bottom of the sea. You know, all these places, which were kind of neat in some regards, but now I'm, I'm interacting with my nephew down in Orlando. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. These interactions are, re- I mean, they're, they're amazing, right? They can tell we can get better and better every, every time we do it. So, you know, it, it really does, um, it, you know, where this goes, it's hard to predict, right? And I, I think that's the hard part about being a business is, you know, every business is, is uh, plagued with the need to make sure that you can't just walk in and, and, and wander around all day long and not produce yeah. value Absolutely. Right. I mean, and we, 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 I, I find myself, I have lots of great ideas, but I, if I sat and did ideas all day that produce no revenue, right. All my ideas will be burnt out here. I will be on my ass out on the street and all the employees that work for us would be unemployed. And that would be just the direct opposite of what we want to do. Right. It, 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 it takes, it takes a little bit of wherewithal to know, all right, I'm going to take, here's some, here's a, uh, an area, an idea that we can use. And I think that's, what's great about what you guys have done with every point, right. I mean, you started just taking little buckets of work that, uh, you know, could start to uh, really produce revenue. So talk, talk to me a little bit about that. How did, how did you get into every point and, and yeah. how did you start to focus on that? Well, that's one thing I'm really proud of is, you know, again, we had this vision 11 years ago and we didn't go out and just, you know, raise hundreds of millions of dollars and, and try to pull off this, oh, let's go digitize every point on the planet right away because we'd made enough mistakes as entrepreneurs over our careers to know about market timing, right? And to understand all those different trajectories and, and understand the importance of a good business model, right? And revenue stream. And so when we were thinking about every point of the line, it's how are we going to get there, right? And, and you can't get there unless you're making money. And so we started, we started, we spent about a year and a half looking at, well, what are the points on the planet that we could digitize that people would pay us for? Right, and we spent about a year and a half on that, and I I got about twenty to twenty five different use cases where people paid me from anything from five hundred dollars to five thousand dollars to go discover something, right? And and we did some really great projects, like you mentioned the Himalayas. We actually digitized the Himalayas. Uh, we had a helicopter fly and capture three hundred thousand images, and we have a multi billion pixel point cloud of the Himalayas that made headlines back in two thousand and twelve. Right, but we, we were doing that for filmmaking and entertainment and education. We also worked on scenes in a movie. We worked on a video game to see, well, how, how could we make more realistic um, racetracks for racing games, right? And all these scenarios, people were willing to pay, right? Maybe they'd pay $60,000 to cut some budget out of a video game production or a video, but you know, there's only three or four companies in the planet who do that, and they probably only need it 10 or 20 times a year. So that's not really a good business. And then, you know, I ended up getting introduced to an aggregates company in Oregon. And, you know, again, we didn't know what problems to solve, but I walked onto a quarry and started looking at all the things that you could possibly model and got really enamored with the whole blasting process because that sure looked dangerous and expensive. And thought, wow, maybe we need to model that 
you know, face where they're going to do the blast. And maybe there's some information in there. And I was doing the math on the number of blasts that would occur in North America and this thing. So while we're doing all that, the president of the company uh, found out that what we were capable of doing. And, and he called me and said, hey, could you measure a stockpile with an iPhone? Yes, but that seems boring. Why would you ever want to do that? And then he had me to his office and he gave me a PhD crash course on the massive financial adjustments that occur in the bulk material producer world every year because it's nearly impossible to track production and sales accurately when your product doesn't come in a box with a barcode. And boy, if it rains, suddenly it's worth more per ton than if it's been dry for two weeks. It's just an absolute nightmare. So when we learned about that problem, he turned us on to it, it was like, that's it. That's where every point starts. Every point starts with the stockpile, right? And look, you know, couldn't have been luckier because the reality is where that material goes from the stockpile, it spreads around the planet, right? So now that we're digitizing the piles with stockpile reports, and that's a successful business, now we're digitizing the things around the pile. Well, there's front loaders coming to and from that pile. There's haul trucks coming to and from that pile, right? There's equipment that feeds that pile that needs to be monitored and inspected. And then that, that bulk material gets delivered someplace. It gets delivered to a job site. Okay, well, now they need the bulk materials at the job site, but guess what? There's also a bunch of humans around that pile at the job site. Oh, there's a building about 40 feet away from that stockpile, right? So now you can start to see that it spreads. So we went after Stockpile Reports. It's a very successful business. We have 300 companies in 48 countries. Uh, six and a half billion tons of bulk materials are managed in Stockpile Reports. Uh, but about a year and a half ago, we said, okay, the market timing is right. Thank you, Facebook, for educating the world on the metaverse. You know, thank you, Apple, for developing some technology that allows our algorithms to work better and faster and cheaper. And now it's time to do every point where now we can start to put more cameras around the job site, more cameras around the quarries, and start to realize that vision of digitizing that space every second of every day. But our goal is not to solve all the business problems. It's to create the semantic understanding of that space and then have a set of web services so that logistics software, finance software, BIM software, you know, whatever can tap into every point to get that semantic and geometric understanding of that space. So that's a long-winded answer. No, no, but but that's our journey of making money and creating value along the way. And, and again, it still could be another 10 years before that construction site is really really getting maximum value and every business process has changed because there is a index of that physical world. Here, and there's where, here, when I talk about silos, right? You know, as we look at uh, Revit models and, and, and design development in, in 3D capacity, right? The, the, the real value of that isn't just the 3D model. Like, look, yeah. I, 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 the, the 3D model is great. And here, it, yeah. And its value, and I can see my crossover connections. But look, any any regular construction person on a job site can handle most of those conversations. The real value becomes in when I'm in design development, as it's being designed and developed, understanding where my resources are coming from and will they meet my timetable and my budget, right? Will I meet my structural constraints, all, all the all the developmental constraints I need to meet, right? The uh, quality, timing, your materials, uh, a neighborhood, you know, all the stuff that it needs to understand the environment that the material is going to be in. Well, that's that's part of it when I'm doing design development, but are they available? I mean, how many projects, the entire industry is plagued by- Oh, the supply chain. 
Now, now all of a sudden, every point is out in 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 the stockpile where they're making materials. Clearly, understanding what raw materials are being, you know, uh, taken out, cut, you know, where that stuff's at, and then that translates to what gets developed, right? The, the materials and the and and then all the components that go to making those parts and pieces. So that as you know, those future models get really smart. They understand supply chain availability all day, every day, real stuff. Not, you know, right now you, you I can stop my, I can stop my design development. I could go call the supply house. The supply house can go call the, the quarry. The quarry can call the foreman. The foreman can uh, call back to, uh, the, for, the, 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 you know, the manager, the manager can call back the, you know, and, and we can go through that game, which never happens. It's well, true. We, I, I call it when, I, when I'm out with our strategic customers and we're talking about, you know, the, the journey we're on together. I say, man, this whole industry runs on hope and heroes. It is hope and heroes, right? And, and so how do we go from hope and heroes to automation, right? Let's just get that step done. Then once we have automation, then you have optimization, right? But the reality is the construction industry has a long way to go to move from hope and heroes to automation. Right, but it's inching forward. It's inching forward every 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 month, every year, and once there is something that's understanding the world of construction that doesn't come in boxes with barcodes, right? That everyone can tap into, not just the BIM modelers and and the architects, right? But every single person from the safety manager, right, to the truck driver, <laughs> to the the person who's cleaning up uh, in in the in the trailer, right. Everybody needs to benefit across every job from a spatial understanding of that space, right? And, and that's, like I said, that could still be another decade, right? But that's where the future is. And that changes everything. Because then we can move to automating this world that depends on human eyes and experience in order to make some decision to move something from point A to point B. I, you know, we're seeing, we're, we're seeing the, those those little parts and pieces come together, right? You're, you're starting to see the... Uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I just saw the other day a Revit model of an HVAC unit, right? Mm -hmm. Where the supply, you know, people are like, the architect is saying, hey, I, I, look, I don't have the time to go and Revit models. I mean, I'll do Revit for this wall. I'll do it for the components I put on here. But the problem is I, I really, in order for Revit to, you know, those, those for the models for metaverse to get to the point where I'm in the metaverse in a space where you and I are, 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 are as if we're in the same room, where where we can reach out and touch. You know, I was in uh, Dubai uh, in less than a couple of months ago, and uh, uh, my wife and I were, were in the Museum of the Future, which which is a freaking a, a phenomenal place to go, right? It's the it's beautiful building, new technology. The way they built it was amazing. But they've got suits now where you can go into 3D environments and feel touch. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I, I imagine being a feel, uh, you know, you're, you're bumping into the table or bumping into uh, something in order for that to really work to that next level up where we're going from, from having a 2d vision, like we did yep. on screens yes. to, to a 3d model where we can be in, a, in, in an environment together. Yes. Physically being in touch with each other. Right. Yeah. Now, now we need to be able to get every single component Oh, oh, absolutely. And, and today I talk about every point in terms of geometry, right? Like what's occupying that point in space? Okay. When you think about every point in space, there's a chemical composition of that space. Okay. There's an energy vibration of that point in space, mm. right? Eventually we'll be able to sense and model all of that. Imagine being able to reconstruct the audio on a job site uh, spatially, 
right? Based on, you know, when did that sound travel across when that from the blast from one side of the quarry all the way over to the neighbor's house, you know, a half a mile away, right? That's going to be indexed and digitized. There's going to be a replay button for the planet, right? That's not just geometry, right? It, it, it's, a, it's going to be everything in physics. Right, so right, all, all the components of it really do get to a place where, uh, you know, the, the, sen the sensitivity, the, the ability to really feel present in a digital world. Right? I, I think that's the hard part. Is everybody's trying to say, you know, uh, when, when Zuckerberg talks about, you know, really feeling a presence to be together, people are still imagining staring at a screen. You know, I was on my Zoom call in school or I was on my Zoom call in a meeting. You know, I, I kind of got to be with people, but I'm not really there with them like I am when I'm in and off right. with them, right? Right. That next level of getting to where we're actually feeling that sense is exactly what you're talking about. Spatial sounds, uh, you know, vibrations, uh, uh, you know, materials. Uh, Chemical composition that makes smell and odor. I mean, right. everything, everything. Well, you know, and, and that's great because entertainment right, will drive that, right? And again, the consumer connection, right? So your Googles, your Apples, your Facebook metas, they will drive that experience you're talking about where we need to feel like we're together, right? But just think there, there are so many other points of interaction in a construction job, right? That, that you don't need to feel like you're there. You just need to know, right? If some occur, occurrence happens or exists, Right. Or be able to make a decision slightly better. Now, do I need to feel like I'm there? Oh, right. to know if there's enough rock to finish the job for today? No. But, you know, I need to know geometrically what how much volume of material is still needed to be put into the ground or into the mixer or to whatever it is and how much is there. And, you know, so there's going to be a range of well, what does it mean to have you know, every point on the planet digitized or what does the metaverse mean or what does the mirror world mean? You know, vernacular will work itself out. But at the end of the day, it's, yeah, modeling that space. And then how do you create value out of that model of that space, whether it's human interaction or automating a boring construction process, right? That's what's exciting about this next 10, 20 years. And that's why investors are pouring so much money in because they see this is as big, if not bigger than the original days of the internet. For sure, uh, it, it, it's changing the speed by which all other things are measured, right? You know, the, um, yeah. you know, we were always constantly trying to look for system improvements and, uh, you know, how do we make, uh, you know, right on the other side of this wall, I, I think I was telling you the other day, there's a sign that says from dirt to dishes in four weeks, right? Love and, it. And our whole goal is to be able to do ground up restaurants uh, for some of the chains we work for. I know. You know, yeah. to be able to do a ground up building in four weeks. And, and today we've got, you know, we, we've gotten 70 days. We did 68 days the other day. Uh, you know, we're doing some, some, I mean, from 140, 150 days, those are, those are pretty good, right? To go from 68 to down to, you know, down to four weeks. That's a, that's another stretch. And it's not about doing what the, you know, a lot of the folks that we work with uh, keep looking at, well, if I just do this better or if those right. work longer. That's right. It, it's never in that, right? It's never. In well, fact, some of that. And sometimes it's the precursor of getting more optimal that then suddenly it creates a opportunity to transform a business model. You're right in that some of those do are helpful, but mm -hmm. no matter how much you, how much better, harder you work, it's more, it's for me, it's always more about the system change. And most of what we're missing today is that piece that you're talking about that clear understanding of the parts and pieces where they actually are at every moment, right? There's this nebulous kind of 
best guests that we do. You know, at some point, uh, you know, uh, we, we've talked about there'll be no more need for general contractors. And and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and the leadership company guys at uh, CDO group look at me and go, please don't say that anymore. I'm like, look, <laughs> at some point, the world will change. You know, just like taxi companies were extinct. That's right. right. Today, yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of markets where they're holding on like dear life because they don't want to let go of that. They don't want to let go of that shield. Like, you know, their commitment to it are great. I don't, don't change my life. You know, those same guys who, you know, still have a flip phone. Right? Oh, example after example after example. Right. And what you're talking about is disruption, right? And a lot of people abuse that word disruption. And they always say, oh, I have a disruptive technology, right? But if you go back through history, you see truly disruptive events or disruptive technologies that totally transform mankind or transform an industry. And construction is ripe for disruption. The question is, <laughs> what is it going to be, right? But, but there is so much, like you said, so much expense, so much waste. It's such a massive market. At some point, something will disrupt the construction industry, and it'll be cheaper to rebuild your house from scratch and get a new one versus remodel your kitchen. That's right. If, if, if for sure, that's coming, and it has to, right? Because right, right now, the construction, construction industry is one of the biggest environmental nightmares, right? I mean, although, here, look, we're, we're, yeah. not, we're not living in huts anymore, and, and, and from, from one point of view, uh, our society has really grown dramatically fast, but the, the, the materials and the way that we build, you know, not having 9% of every construction uh, material show up, end up in a landfill, there's a problem, right? Yeah. Just, just, there's no doubt that there's waste for sure throughout the whole process. Absolutely. The inefficiencies that we are, are currently living on just to get to where we were, which, which, hey, look, which by the way, we're pretty good. I mean, you look today at the cities and places that we live, we, we've got some pretty amazing cities that we live in. Now, now we're called upon in this time of, of life to go another step. And that's where these ideas are, you know, really need to be hammered home. And why? I mean, at, at the speed that we're going to have to develop what's coming up with the, with the uh, levels in the numbers of people entering this planet, uh, the lifespans increasing, our, 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 you know, our whole planet will, you know, our, our population is going to double. Right, you know, just must more, yeah, we must be more efficient in everything we do, how we use space, how we use materials. Right, absolutely. How we communicate with each other. We have, we have lots of problems of inefficiency. <laughs> if we, as we scale humans, it, it's only going to get dramatically worse. Well, it, it worse, and and it calls on us to go. Okay, now we did it this way, and great. You know, concrete was a fabulous. I mean, here and to try to tell a third world country. I was in Senegal uh, you know, last year this time, and to go to Senegal and go, hey. We're not going to be using concrete anymore. We need you guys to start using some more environmentally safe. They're going to look at you and go, come on, PP off. Go somewhere right. else. Because right. we need those cheap construction materials that are strong and durable to build our country like you used to build your country. Right? That's right. And, and, That's now, right. and now we're in this time period, we're, we're, we're called uh, more than ever to keep, to keep looking and going, all right, now maybe we're the front runners on it. But as the, as the rest of the world can start to adapt them, as they uh, catch up, in their development, uh, you know, plan, uh, you know, we'll be able to see some of that, some of that change. But you know, I, I think going back to the uh, the digital world, now seeing the physical world is the beginning. It is. I truly believe that. Yeah, I, I truly believe that because because cons- like we said, construction has so many different moving parts, and so many different parts and pieces, right? From uh, 
the largest you know wind turbine being brought in to the smallest screw needed to put in a drawer right there's there's just so many parts and pieces that you know aren't able to be tracked aren't able to be managed digitally right but suddenly when every single thing involved is digitized right and you can apply automation and then optimization then that's going to create an opportunity for disruption so look, like I said, I don't know who's going to do it. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it will happen. I guarantee it'll happen 15 years from now. Will it happen 10 years from now? I don't know. I don't know. You know, but but we'll we'll definitely see a start, right? There'll be some of those leading edge. Will we have that disruptive event in the next 10 years? I sure hope so. Uh, but I don't know. But I can tell you that the technology that's going to enable the disruption is going to be driven by the metaverse. Right. It will be driven by the metaverse, but but the question is going to be how much, how, you know, how quickly does that, you know, understanding of a space where it starts with your dining room, I always say dancing dinosaurs in your dining room, right, that's what big tech's trying to do, right, but then when does that expand to, dan you know, chasing dinosaurs in your neighborhood, and then what does it expand to the planet, right, so they're going to build the technologies and do incredible innovation that will drive digitization capabilities of the entire planet, to create these consumer high dollar consumer experiences, then the question is going to be, you know, how is that going to make its way over into the enterprise, and how is it going to make its way over into the into the construction industry, and when? So I, you know, I would bet, gosh, it's probably somewhere around a decade from now. I don't, uh, I don't hopefully think, sooner. I don't, I don't know if I'm betting that far out, but you know, I'm seeing some. You know, I was down in Orlando for McDonald's uh, worldwide convention, and. Um, you know, they uh, were rolling out the Watson uh, in a couple of, you know, in 100, 150 of their stores to, to uh, be their drive-through uh, attendant. Okay. Right? So, mm -hmm. so, you know, so they, they had done a 100-store test store a program, and it was very successful. And now they're running, rolling out Watson into another 100, 150 stores. And the franchisees, you know, think about that. They, you know, so they've got this now automated ability to have the drive-through attendant, and they had set up a, a couple of uh, sample places where you 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 were you were, uh -huh. you were a car. So you we went into a booth, and you had like I don't know eight or nine of you. I went into a booth, and my kids went with me, right? So my kids were in there, and and, and you know I got a little eight-year-old, and she loved that game. So she was in there like trying to trick the machine, like I like <laughs> I like a cappuccino with double cheese, and I like a burger with I like a burger with with sesame seeds only on the side, and you know. And it was amazing how how efficient and how how well Watson did with all the and eight people talking at one time, people with accents, and I for the first time I could see an automated an automated drive through attendant. And, you know, think about a company like McDonald's with. You know, oh, absolutely! I love that story. Well, what I love about that story, though, Anthony, is we as an industry have been working on that for thirty years. Thirty years. Right, 30 years. So, so when I say, you know, things are 10 years, it's because I see where we are with this technology today is where we were with that sort of voice recognition and artificial intelligence and machine learning 20 years ago, right? Uh, and where we are today with, you know, reality capture and spatial computing and things like that, you know, it's just getting out of the university worlds into the early innovation, right? And it, it takes a long time. Do, do you remember the web van? Do you know that story, web van? WebFam was basically Amazon Prime in 1998, maybe, 1998, and hundreds of millions of dollars put into the distribution centers and everything, but there was no market, 
Nobody wanted to order groceries or products digitally and have them delivered. I did because I was an early adopter in Atlanta, Georgia. And I loved the web van person coming and they would actually walk into your home and put the groceries down on your counter. It was phenomenal. In the late, mid to the late 90s, they went bankrupt and it's one of the most, you know, glorious failures in all, of all time. But look, 25 years later, everybody's doing Amazon Prime, right? So look at, look at things that are happening today that are spectacular failures, right? And that's a good sign of what's going to be our life in 20 to 25 years. So I often think of Katerra. I mean, what a beautiful, spectacular failure, right? It was a great vision, but I always say, hey, don't count them out, especially when I'm talking at industry events and everybody's celebrating, especially in the ready mix concrete, yeah, Katerra failed, you know, no more laminated timber, right? It's like, no guys, this is not over. That's the first one, right? And there's gonna be five more tries at this over the next 20 years and they're gonna, somebody's gonna get it right, right? And so there will be your Amazon Prime to your web van. And so, when you talk about that McDonald's scenario, yeah, we can get excited about that, but that's been 30 years in the making. No, it, right? it, I, I, kind of, I kind of feel like if every idea that I had happened overnight, you know, every every 10 hours or so, the entire planet would jump off the, you know. The, the, Man, that'd be a cool world. Well, Maybe the, in the metaverse that can happen. Well, gravity would stop. I mean, look, if all my ideas came true that fast, I, I, I kind of feel like the world has this system for, to checking and rechecking before it just goes running down the pipeline for stuff. You know, the, the, the one, it's a financial check, right? To make sure that there's some viability to it and people see value, even though it's a great idea that's it's gotta have some financial sense to fit into the system and workflows that everybody already has existing. So some of the adoption stuff, uh, you know, it's slow. Yeah, the market's gotta be ready. The market's gotta be ready. I mean, everybody had the old neighbor who refused to buy a cell phone. Right. I mean, remember the old, the old crotchety person next door said they never needed to talk to somebody on the go. And well, those generations move on and younger generations come up. Right. So market timing is, is a huge part of it. So, I mean, we got these pesky humans that resist change. Right. And so you got to deal with that. No, we, like, every time I get a, an update on my phone, I'm like, what? And then a couple of days later, I love it. You know, it's like, what, what do they do now? You know, uh, exactly. But I bet there's a lot of crotchety people out there and I love them to death and they're our customers with stockpile reports. And, you know, there's a lot of resistance to change with something as simple as measuring a stockpile, which you think shouldn't be that controversial. But boy, have we learned about the drama around how people play games around the numbers in those piles. And, uh, you know, it, it took a long time to break through that resistance of people who had, you know, generations of the way that they've you know, basically made up the numbers to keep finance and corporate off their butt, right? But it, it took it took a long time just to deal with that human change. So, and that's just a pile of rock. But I, I think that's a good point right there, right? A, a lot of the stuff that was the resistance is in some of the, I, I don't know what the right way to put it, but some of the, some of the not so correct ways of doing things, right? It I mean, can be culture, it could be incentive structures that are, you know, out of whack or out of line. I mean, it can be politics. I, I, you know, I, I was putting, I was putting job site cameras on, uh, you know, on projects in Manhattan mm -hmm. five years ago, right? I mean, I, we we put we had these static cameras that would take a send a picture every, I don't know, every seven seconds. I mean, it was I mean, it was twenty years ago. You know, yeah. we get the static picture. And nice. And every single day, every single day, never one day missing, even twice a day, some days, when the union guys would go over and cut the line. Yep. You know, they're like, it still happens today. It still happens today. Yeah, we we have cameras out in the field and, and they mysteriously get run over by loaders. Uh, it happens. It happens. 
<laughs> fear that somebody, you know, and, and what's funny about our business is our people work really hard. I mean, these big cities and, and, and big buildings that get built, they're built by hardworking construction people. You know? Well, I was going to say, sometimes I can't blame the people for running over the, the camera because, again, if, if the technology is not applied in an appropriate way that's beneficial to everybody and has the right incentives, I mean, it can be used as a hammer. And as a club against people, and and it can hurt people's jobs. It can make their lives harder, and if it's not done right, and there's a lot of technology that gets rolled out in a way that, you know, isn't beneficial to everybody, and so you have massive amounts of resistance, and then you end up getting snipped cables and run over cameras because uh, you have to be thoughtful about. It. You can't just throw technology out and not respect the people involved. Well, today more than ever, you know, the construction world, the margins are so thin. Right, everybody's got to communicate that much better to make this work, right? I mean, on every job site, you know, I, I've I've used this example a thousand times. For for a four hundred thousand dollar job site, you get five bidders. You know, it costs our company five to ten thousand bucks a job just to bid a job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If we've got 20, 20 different trades we're bidding per project, right, and we have three people per per uh, line item bidding on it, those are sixty subs that stop their day and spend a thousand, two thousand dollars worth of time to put together a bid for us. So, mm -hmm. between the, you know, the 60 subs that we have are 10,000 bucks, you know, you're, you're, you're talking 60, $70,000 and, and four out of those five companies lost the bid. Right. So, so before we even start the project, we've already wasted a lot of money. So, you know, and, and, and the truth is whoever wins the bid had the lie, right? I mean, you said you could do it for 10. I said, I could do it for nine. And the guy who won it said he could do it for eight. Now, you know, his margins, our margins are that much tighter. So the controls and the systems that we're putting in place today in order just to, just to be, just to survive, right? Just that, that's a great example of a process though that's ripe for disruption, right? I mean, I mean, you think of, I mean, to think of how the advertising industry has changed, right? I mean, there used to be a similar, you know, auction process, bidding process, you know, big agencies, all this stuff. You know, now that when you click on a web page, in the time that that web page is loading, there are real-time auctions going on between uh, ad networks and publishers and stuff to determine should they put that ad in front of Anthony or not and how much are they willing to pay for it. That happens in a millisecond, right? What used to be groups of people in conference rooms and this and that deciding, right? That's now just all automated and leveraging lots of machine learning and data and all this stuff to figure out what's it worth to put that in front of Anthony right now. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that kind of thing in the future where, okay, it's the next step in the construction, right? As you're you know, asking somebody to come get that job done on Wednesday at 3 p.m., right? Boom, all the agents do the auctioning, right? And boom, it's awarded, right? To the right person with the right quality at the right profitability. Right, now all of a sudden, instead of going to a general contractor, the AI algorithm that designed the building now yes. broke down the workforce, the workflow. Yes. Now now purchase the material, right? Through yes. APIs. and labor sourced and source the labor and now it goes to market and goes hey five-star plumbers i need you i need i'm gonna go to market for five-star plumbers who wants this job it's five days here's what you need for material and boom it's gonna happen now now five-star plumbers are awarded the project uh they want to maintain their five star so they want to maintain their work level and their their, their so they get the top pick especially when there's surge markets out there and in places where they're making an extra buck because, hey, you put in a Saturday or, hey, it's a rush job or whatever the reason is, right? As that gets smarter and smarter, you know, the, the, all the places where the cream was taken off by the different 
levels and layers now gets to go to the plumber right now the plumber doesn't need an organization uh his trade his sub to to you know the subcontractor no. right Absolutely. All, all those places become uh, you know, well, when, when you when you remove the subjectivity and the hope and heroes, right? So imagine in my world when I'm visualizing every point on the planet digitized every second of every day. That plumber's doing that work, like it or not, you know. And it, it, we'll see how it all unfolds. But every second of them performing that job is going to be digitized, that's right. right, for their entire career. That's right. Right. Every plumbing that job they've had, every hand movement they made, everything will be recorded for their career. And that can be analyzed by using machine learning and different things like your Watson example. And you can determine the quality of that plumber's work, non-subjectively, objectively. But maybe not even from a negative point of view, but imagine being able to go, hey, you can become this much more efficient. We just noticed that every time you go to pull that, uh, uh, your, your wrench out of your bag, it's always in the back of the bag. But on this project, you'll need these three wrenches and it makes yep. sense for those to be- And this order in the bag. Yep. Sort of in the well, bag. Like, like, or, or even when we, when you have, you know, the number of products there are going to change, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when humans stop doing crappy work, right? Work that they, they don't like the repetitive brain damage work. Now they can get into creativity. So material changes, material sciences. I, 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 I predict the change in those environments because you know, now that's where the inventor, this is based on the technology I see. Here's how it's going to happen. I love the word cobot. I don't know if you if you've heard that word or use that word cobot instead of a robot, right? So every worker is going to have a cobot, right? And cobots are great at repetitive, boring, accurate, precise work, right? So the labor of the future, right, is going to be working side by side with a cobot, right? Who's going to be drilling the hole? Who's going to be hammering the nail? Who's going to be doing that? But that worker is going to be there making the human judgment calls. Right and guiding, so it's going to be a team, right? It's going to be the human and the robot, the cobot, doing that work. You know, one human will be able to do the work of ten humans, right? In a in a few years, when they all have their their cobots with them, right? So so, but you know, again, is that ten years away? Is that twenty years away? Don't know, but I absolutely see that happening for sure. You know, I um I just interviewed uh, the guys over at Hilti and their new J Bot robot. And uh, it, it, it just, all it does is drill holes all day long. There you go. It's for there high, you go. For high rise buildings. And it does hundreds and hundreds of holes a day. It's something that might've taken a team of two to four people, you know, several days to do, you know, mm -hmm. JBot now with their total station places it on a job site and with, you, you know, extreme precision, you know, could go from one end of the building and just do hundreds of mundane, monotonous holes straight up in a, in a concrete slab. And now what they've done with hangar and hangar technology and, and multi, multi rack, uh, uh, utility rack, uh, system. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, I know, I know we're all terrified and, you know, if people are still hanging with us, listening to this, most people are terrified going, good Lord, I don't want to work in that world. Right. But just take for a moment and look at the athletes you watch on TV. Right. I mean, you want to talk about optimizing every human movement. I mean, look at the way sports is done now. Right. Those athletes are coached and trained on every single body movement to optimize. They take naps before the games. They're told when to sleep, right, to optimize your human performance. Right. And then you have the statistics on these individuals that are absolutely unbelievable these days. 
And that information is given back to the players and the coaches, right? So, so we as humans on the high performance end of things are already working with that level of observation and data analysis. And the question is gonna be, you know, as it moves from the sports industry, right, into you know, our world and then eventually into the labor world, you know, that's just a preview of what it's gonna be. You, know, you, you, you are going to be you know, monitored as much as, a, as Steph Curry, right, as a plumber. That's right. That's right. Well, I got to tell you, David, I can talk about this all day and we do all day long and, and you and I, uh, you know, getting some really good, good conversations. I love it. You know, uh, when people want to get a hold of you at every point, uh, what's the best place for them to catch up with you? Yeah, I like to be as transparent as possible. You know, send me an email, david.boardman at every point.io. Um, you know, if we can help with, uh, you know, people understanding the future, exchanging ideas, and we will be launching every point. You know, we have stockpile reports out there in the market now, but we're going to be launching every point publicly uh, in January. We're right now uh, lighting up some field trials where we're putting, you know, mobile cameras, robot cameras, flying cameras, you know, on job sites now uh, and working out all the kinks and doing all the customer and market discovery. But in January, that's going to be real. So if that's something people are interested in being a part of or trying it out or giving us feedback, I'd love to connect with people. Awesome. David, I, I got to tell you, you are a great guest to have on. I look forward to every time you come on here and uh, having you on some more. So uh, thanks for being on. Hey, guys, uh, you know, if you've hung out here this long with us, you know, you love the show. Take a second and just uh, for me, uh, like and subscribe. It, it just really means the world to me uh, and, and our guests that just know that uh, uh, we're, we're getting that we're hitting the right spots. If there's anything you want to comment about the show or anything you want to talk about or or if you have a great guest you'd like to bring on, please. Uh, just feel free to uh, send that to us and, uh, you know, comment, like, like, and comment on the, on the podcast and we review all those. So uh, thanks a lot for listening and look forward to having you uh, listen again. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. My name is Anthony Monategi, always looking for people to bring insight into the industry, finding ways to inspire people to have amazing careers in the development world. If you liked our podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really liked our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Thanks again for listening. Please share it with your friends.